0: Welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. I'm Andrew Nichol, And tonight on the show, we're talking about do not buy these investment properties. Yes, there are some properties that, you know what? Really good. Should go ahead with them. Some of them abysmal investments. And so we're going to go through the ones today that you should stay away from. Do not buy these. Andrew, take it away. Number one is something with a hydraulic rent. Unless, of course, you're using a realistic
1: rent when you're doing your calculations. So I'll give you a good example. Recently, an investor that I work with rang me up and he said, I've got an apartment. It was about a million dollars and it was in Epson in Auckland from memory and it was going to be rented back to the developer for a couple of years from when he settled it, and it was going to be a show home. And so the developer was willing to pay like 10, 20% above what the normal rent would be. So of course, straight off the bat, it looked like it was a good return on investment because it was good cash flow. But when you changed it to the actual rent that it would be when it was rented out in the normal public market to a normal tenant, The numbers were just terrible. And of course, here you had an apartment, which you really need to be getting a high yield for because you're sacrificing on capital growth because apartments go up at a lesser capital growth rate, but you're getting a low yield as well. So low growth, low yield product, not a good investment at all.
0: And that's not to say that all show homes are bad investments. In fact, we've done an episode on show homes But what you've got to make sure is that once the rent returns to a more normal level, after the developer stops paying you, and of course they usually pay you a bit more, you've got to make sure it works on those final numbers. Now, the second properties that you should never buy are leasehold properties. Painful ones. Now, the thing is they're cheap for a reason, and I always like to go on Trade Me and look at what the real estate agents are saying about leasehold properties because they've often got a way to spin it. And I'm sure there are some investors out there who buy leasehold properties and maybe they make an okay rental return. Maybe they do some things, but most people should not be buying leasehold properties. And that's one, if you're investing for capital growth, a leasehold property will not give you a substantial amount of capital growth. Leasehold properties don't increase in value or don't increase in price that much because you don't own the land. You might own the building on top of it, but you don't own the land underneath it. And there's usually a better use for your money, even if you do purchase it. You could buy something else that's going to increase in value more quickly. The other thing about leaseholds that make them really bad is you've got to be really careful with the ground rents. So I was just reading an article, actually this morning, after I'd prepared this episode, of a guy in Auckland, and he bought this townhouse for, I think it was about 150k. Now, when he bought it- A townhouse. townhouse. It was about 250 squares leasehold. And At the start, the ground rent was about 31K a year. What do you think it got put up to after the review in about 2018? 45,000. Over 80 grand. It went from about 31 to I think about 89 grand because the value of that land had increased so substantially. Now just explain what ground rent is. Now this is where, because you own the building, but you don't own the land, so the person who owns the land is going to charge you rent, and even though you own the building, you still have to pay them for the use of land each week, month, year, whatever the schedule is. And one of the issues is that ground rent goes up often at a faster rate than rents in general. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Number three is hotel rooms or places where you share in the revenue. So there are two types of hotel rooms you can buy. You can buy something like, we've spoken about on the show, safari groups where you've got a commercial lease in place they're usually a good one for someone looking for high yield or you can buy something where basically it's rented out through the hotel that's running the management like Novotel in Auckland and then when you have something like a COVID situation or if your place just stays empty or the neighbours stays empty and you're sharing in the collective pool you get a fraction of the amount of money that you're expecting. I have never seen these work out to be a good long-term investment for anyone even if you are looking for just yield. And what's the difference with the straight commercial lease? So commercial lease you're being paid regardless because someone has a commercial lease in place to pay you your $15,000 a year, every year, inflation adjusted, regardless of the occupancy. So if there's a COVID
0: situation, tough luck. You're for the still, hotel, yeah, you still get hotel, your money. You're still getting your money. Now, the fourth properties that you should just never buy are leaky buildings, unless you really know what you're doing. I'll give you an example. Back when we did our podcast dinners, I think it was last year, maybe the year before, You know, we toured around and we took a whole heap of the podcast listeners out for dinner in each major city. And I got sitting down next to a first home buyer. She didn't own a home yet. That's fine. She was looking for her first one. And she said, Ed, I really want to buy a leaky building oh. and, you know, do it up and bring it back to life. And her friend was like, Ed, please tell her that it's a bad idea. Now, at that point, it was probably about 12 a.m. and I'd had a few drinks. And so uh, I, thought, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you know what you're doing. Definitely didn't. No offence, she's probably still listening to the show. (laughs) But my point here is that you've got to have a lot of money behind you and you've got to have some real renovation skills and some expertise in doing renovations already and have an idea about recladding leaky homes before you even go and touch it with a barge pole. Look, if you're starting out, if you're a normal person listening to this show and you've got no real expertise in construction, then I would not be suggesting buying a leaky home. This is a very specific type of property that you buy, reclad, bring it back to code, and then either sell or rent it out, keep it as a long term rental. But if you don't have expertise, if you don't know what you're doing, I'd stay away from it. I think your budget's going to blow out. I think you're going to need way more money than you think, because you're going to have to put down probably a pretty hefty deposit. I think it's going to take a long time and could cause a lot of heartache.
1: Next on the list is something with a low LVR. So hotel rooms are a great example of this. So if you're buying a hotel room, you should be buying it for yield. So hopefully you're at the end of your investing career and you want the income. So maybe it doesn't matter so much then. But hotel rooms, studio apartments, so so small apartments, usually if they're about 30 to 40 square meters or some dual key apartments, those kind of things require 50% deposit normally rather than the 20% deposit that you need for a new new build investment. So unless you're equity rich, these aren't the right investments for you because it's going to erode the amount of usable equity you've got and then stop you from buying more
0: investment properties in the future. And at our whole team meeting earlier today, we were talking about that sometimes people will present stuff to you, like maybe it's a studio apartment and the yield might look really good. But if you go ahead and buy that, that can stop you from buying your next property. Because you've still got to keep 50% equity within there. So let's say you've got $200,000 as a deposit, right? Usable equity. Might be, well it could be a cash deposit. But you've got $200,000 that you can use as a deposit. Well you could go and buy a $400,000 studio apartment, or $400,000 worth of studio apartments, or you could buy a million dollars worth of new build townhouse. Now, if you go for the studio apartments, that's going to limit the number of assets you have and your ability to keep growing in the future.
1: And the thing you've got to remember is, well, wh- why is it such a low LVR? That's because the bank's uncertain about how much that's going to be affected in a downturn in the market. So they want to have extra fat in there and or they want to know that they've got a resale value. Now, if a bank's only lending 50% on something, you've got to consider the fact, oh, they obviously see it quite limited in terms of the resale pull.
0: Now, the last one that we recommend never buying are apartments with very, very high body corporates. Now, this is because you can potentially have very large costs associated with your property but tenants aren't necessarily going to pay extra money, extra rent for those costs, in which case you have what we call low net yield. Now, I'll give you some examples. I remember there was a property we were looking at, Andrew, on Anzac Ave up in Auckland, and it was a 1990s building, I think it was, and the body corporate might have been about three or four K a year. Now, when we were doing due diligence on that property, and I think this comes from one of the episodes we actually did on it, we found that there was no long-term maintenance fund in place. Now, the Body Corp had just gone out and said, hey, we need to look at the long-term maintenance of this building. We've got to paint the outside. We've maybe got to do some earthquakes, something like that. Every single apartment would need to put in $43,000 over the next 15 years in order to make sure that building was maintained. Now, that's about an extra three-odd K per unit. So if you're talking about, hey, we've already got a 4K body corp, now it's going up to 7K a year on a one-bedroom apartment that's being rented out for five to $600 a week. Or, actually, just remember the other day, I was looking at the body corporate details for
1: an investor on that Lakewood Plaza, the Deval development in, in Man- uh, where, where is it? That's in Mangere. Man- oh, Monaco. Monaco. Manukau. And so part of the trick there is Deval own a gym And so what they've done is they've made it compulsory as part of your body corporate that you have to have two gym memberships. Quite a good business model, I thought, because that's good recurring revenue for them. But anyone that's bought one of those apartments has to have that, which that doubles the cost of your body corporate
0: straight off the bat. Yeah, I think it was something like an extra two grand a year that you were going to have to put in. Now, to be fair, maybe your tenants want to use that gym, but are you going to have... Are you going to recoup the cost? Well, it'd have to be about $40 a week, we worked out, extra that you would have to charge your tenants in order to be able to fully pay for that. Now, I feel pretty uneasy that you actually would be able to recoup that cost. But of
1: course, then the challenge with that is anyone that goes to the bank and wants to borrow money against one of those or has that in their portfolio, that's going to seriously impact their debt servicing Uh because body corporate comes off the rent so let's say you've got the rent, and then they take 75% of that, best case scenario. Then you've got body corporate and rates taken out of that. You could be 10 grand off that. All of a sudden, you've got to use your own income and in the bank size to be able to make that even fit. I think that's a terrible investment. So the,
0: just a reminder, the six things that you should never buy in our view something with hydraulics rent, rent that's going to be above what you're actually going to get in the market. Artificially high. Artificially high rent, unless after it comes back down, you know, the rent is actually still makes sense for you. Leasehold properties. Number three, hotel rooms where you get a share of the revenue as opposed to a fixed rent. Leaky buildings, something with a low LVR and apartments with high body corporates. Now look, for full disclosure, There will be some times where certain investors could still make money out of these, but we're talking for the general population who's looking for a long-term passive buy and hold investment. Hey, look, let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you want to learn more about Property with Andrew and I, come along to our upcoming webinar. Now, this is happening on Tuesday, the 11th of October at 7pm, and we're going to take you through the eight steps to build a passive income (laughs) and retire on real estate. Now, I'm going to drop a link down in the show notes or the description for you guys watching on YouTube. And I look forward to seeing you there because we are going to release the tickets for our upcoming book tour. It's going to be great fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll see you there. listening to the Property Academy podcast I'm your host Ted McKnight yeah, and we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies tactics and insights to help you get the most of the use of the property until next time